You're listening to the On the Go with VAO News podcast for the week ending September 18th, 2015. Hello and welcome back to our weekly recap of the top headlines from this week's daily acquisition news. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Bill Olver, VAO content developer and senior news writer. And I'm Bill's colleague, content developer and fellow news writer, Dara Curran. This week we'll have a special guest later in the podcast. Scott Cox, our legislative expert, will be joining us to talk about what's going on with appropriations for the next fiscal year. We have 12 working days until funding runs out for 2015, which translates to about 18 minutes of congressional working time. Oh, yeah. As Scott, <laughs> Scott is, and it hopes coming next week, so we can't work then. Oh, no. Scott's, <laughs> Scott's going to talk about the status of appropriations bills, uh, the expected and hoped for continuing resolution and the chances that we will have another shutdown. Not hoped for, yes. (laughs) But first, let's do some headlines. Okay. On Tuesday, President Barack Obama signed an executive order directing agencies to use research in fields such as behavioral economics and psychology to design more effective, accessible, and user-friendly federal programs. What does this mean exactly? Let's take an illustrative example. A 2006 law that codified the practice of automatically enrolling workers into retirement savings plans is based on behavioral economics research that showed selecting a default option of opting in dramatically increased participation rates. Workers didn't have to participate, but they had to provide an active no if they preferred not to. The order encourages agencies to consider ways to apply behavioral strategies in four key areas, streamlining access to programs, presenting information more clearly, including thinking about how timing, format, and medium can affect customer understanding, structuring choices to empower participants to make the best selections, such as carefully considering the default setting, as in the retirement savings example, and the number of options that are presented to clients and considering strategically using incentives to support desired outcomes. We also had regulatory changes that affect all agencies. This week, the Department of Labor announced new contractor minimum wage rates for the calendar year 2016. You'll remember President Obama issued an executive order raising the hourly minimum wage for workers on federal contracts to $10.10 per hour beginning January 1st, 2015. Now, January 1st, 2016, that rate is going to go up another $0.05 to 10.15 per hour. Also beginning on January 1st, the required minimum cash wage that generally must be paid to tipped employees performing work on covered contracts is $5.85 per hour. The Small Business Administration amended its regulations to implement authorities for sole source contracts to women-owned small businesses and economically disadvantaged women-owned small businesses. The bottom line for contracting officers, if the officer has conducted market research in an industry where a WOSB or EDWOSB set-aside is authorized, and if the contracting officer cannot identify two or more such firms that can perform at a fair and reasonable price, but one firm does offer fair and reasonable pricing, then a contract may be awarded on a sole source basis. However, the value of the sole source contract cannot exceed $6.5 million for manufacturing contracts or $4 million for all other contracts. The rule is effective October 14, 2015. 
In contract news this week, the General Services Administration released a pre-solicitation notice for the 15-year, $50 billion enterprise infrastructure solutions portion of its Network Services 2020 telecommunications program. Now, that's the major follow-on for the Network's telecom contract. The RFP should be out within the next two weeks or so, and vendors will have 90 days to respond. The Navy is also prepping a major follow-on, a request for information for the follow-on to the service's next-generation enterprise network contract, NGEN, is expected any day now. The Navy's current NGEN contract with Hewlett-Packard expires on June 27, 2018, which gives the department slightly less than three years to issue draft and final RFPs, evaluate offers, and make an award. Now, the RFI is expected to include a market survey designed to identify information technology vendors, their services, and service delivery methodologies, and we'll have a 30-day comment period, and the Navy will release a second RFI in November or December. And finally, the Agile Services Blanket Purchase Agreement, recently awarded by GSA's 18F team, is being protested. Two unsuccessful offerers have protested directly with GSA, and work on that contract is suspended until the cases are resolved. We had two interesting reports this week from the Government Accountability Office. First, GAO recommended that the Treasury Department maintain analytical tools developed by the Recovery, Accountability, and Transparency Board to monitor high-risk transactions and prevent improper payments. Currently, Treasury has no plans to maintain these capabilities when the board sunsets at the end of September, but GAO believes these tools could support the Department's Do Not Pay Center. GAO recommended that Treasury consider maintaining tools like data sharing agreements, draft RFPs for data analysis software, both of which are rather complex to develop, and related guidance and technical information. GAO also recommended that agencies complete their reinvestment plans for cost savings achieved under various OMB IT reform efforts. Agencies reported saving $3.6 billion between fiscal years 2011 and 2014, thanks to OMB initiatives, but did not fully develop their reinvestment plans or track the results of their reinvestments. GAO observed that agencies often lack visibility into their components' cost reduction and reinvestment plans and results. In addition, OMB did not require agencies to track actual results, nor has it defined targets for reinvestments beyond fiscal year 2014. GAO made 22 recommendations to 17 departments and agencies to improve their reinvestment planning and oversight. In defense news, Defense Procurement and Acquisition Policy Director Claire Grady has authorized a class deviation updating clauses intended to prevent government funds from being used to contract with enemy forces. Effective immediately, contracting officers shall include the relevant clauses in solicitations and contracts to be awarded on or before December 31, 2019, if they have an estimated value in excess of $50,000 and are being or will be performed outside the United States and its outlying areas in support of a contingency operation in which members of the armed forces are actively engaged in hostilities. To their maximum ability, contracting officers should bilaterally modify existing covered contracts to incorporate the clauses. Now, one caveat, one of the clauses does not apply to contracts to be performed in the U.S. Central Command Theater of Operations. The Defense Logistics Agency is training a new cadre of contingency contracting officers to provide expeditionary contract support during future disaster and contingency operations. The group is composed of 24 contracting officer volunteers who have received training in readiness, academics, and operational and battlefield preparation. 
The cadre's training incorporated lessons learned by expeditionary contracting officers who supported operations in Africa, Iraq, and Afghanistan, and covered administrative details like obtaining passports and vaccines, family care, and financial planning. Training also covered academic areas, such as contingency funding, contract oversight, and foreign acquisition, as well as local procurement and emergency acquisitions. Training in operational and battlefield preparation focused on the importance of knowing key stakeholders and their roles, including the military units and other government agencies supporting the operation. The cadre will receive additional instruction and participate in field training exercises this year. And finally, defense officials are warning that a long-term continuing resolution could threaten two major ongoing weapons programs. The Joint Strike Fighter Program Office is beginning long-term planning for a future iteration of the aircraft software, which will provide new targeting and sensor capabilities. And a CR, especially a long-term or a year-long CR, could delay the start of development of that software, which is expected to begin in 2019 for deployment in the 2020s. And a long-term CR also could jeopardize the Air Force's contract with Boeing for its aerial refueling tanker, in this case a bit more immediately. Under the contract, the Air Force is required to award Boeing two low-rate initial production contracts when the program reaches Milestone C in April 2016. The Air Force currently has fiscal year 2016 funding for only the first LRIP contract, and a continuing resolution would prevent the service from awarding the second, putting the Air Force at risk of breaking that fixed-price contract, which protects it from cost overruns unless it gets a waiver from Congress. And that is a good segue to lead us into our discussion about next year's appropriations, uh, a potential CR, and a shutdown. So as Bill mentioned earlier in the podcast, we have our special guest today of Scott Cox, legislative expert. The From the Hill publication is his baby, and he also maintains all of the legislative-related resources on our website. And it is crystal ball time. Scott is going to bring us up to speed on whether we're probably looking at a shutdown or not, and appropriations, and et cetera. So welcome, Scott. Hi, Dara. Hi. So, talk talk us through it. What are we girding our loins for? What are we bracing bracing to expect in the next week and a half? Yeah, all eyes are uh, on Capitol Hill uh, to see if if there's going to be uh, a funding bill for for agencies uh, past September um, into to 2016 fiscal year 2016. Um, at the time that we're we're talking now, neither uh, House Speaker John Boehner or Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has uh, announced a game plan, at least publicly, on how how, how they're going to address that. Um, so it's really up in the air right now. Um, there's been some some folks talking, trying to put percentages on whether there's going to be a shutdown or not. Uh, I'm not going to do that, uh, but I will say that. There's been increasing talk over uh, uh, the whole Planned Parenthood thing that that the leadership might address that issue in in an upcoming reconciliation bill, which cannot be filibustered in the Senate, and that might clear the way for a clean, a so-called clean continuing resolution to be passed that would run through November and possibly December. Um, again, there's this, this is all speculation. It's still up in the air, but it's it's 
one possibility that that might actually materialize. Well, that's why we have you here actually is for wild, but, you know, somewhat well-informed speculation also. But we want you we want you to do that. Now, refresh us on you used the term clean continuing resolution. Refresh us on what that is. Well, traditionally, a clean continuing resolution doesn't have any policy riders. Um, It's it's simply funds agencies at current and active levels for the the term of the CR. Um, Just money, minimal politics, basically. I mean, there's been so... There are so-called anomalies that are included where maybe some obligations that are that have come due and, and need to be maybe backfilled or funded uh, under those circumstances, appropriators might include a, an additional amount of money. It's normally non-controversial. It simply has to do with the timing of, of spending of outlays, obligations, uh, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but normally not controversial. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the conservative wing of uh, the Republican Party, they're pushing to defund uh, Planned Parenthood through the appropriations process, and that's and, and, and therefore through a continuing resolution. Um, the Democrats would block something like that uh, if you were to play it out. The, the let's say the House does pass a, a continuing resolution that contains a provision that defunds uh, Planned Parenthood, and the Senate would receive it. Democrats would certainly block that bill, leaving Senate Majority Leader uh, McConnell with uh, maybe only one option, and that's striking that provision and sending it back to the House. Which would that's then... one scenario that, that could play out. Um, there's another interesting theory, I guess, for lack of a better word, that uh, since there's other major budget-related items that are coming down the line that need to be addressed by Congress, one being the uh, the debt limit that's going to get hit sometime this fall, uh, mid-November, possibly December, according to, to the Congressional Budget Office, and also highway funding that expires uh, at the end of October. There's a theory out there that, that lawmakers might clump all of this together into one package, one legislative package, and uh, in doing so, you know, find offsets, what those offsets would be, you know, who knows at this point, uh, the devil is usually in the details, but there might be enough inside a, a large package like that to incentivize lawmakers to more, a majority of lawmakers to vote for it, despite there being other provisions that they dislike or oppose. So that would be sort of the strategy behind something like that. So uh, similar to, we, we saw the Cromnibus, right? They were calling it um, last at the close of last fiscal year, right? Am I or am I mixing my years up? So this would be another sort of ball of things clumped together. Well, basically. this actually would be an even larger package where you would have <laughs> your snowball <laughs> potentially, yeah, potentially twelve appropriations bills plus language increasing the debt ceiling, the debt ceiling plus possibly a mid to long term transportation funding uh, bill all clumped together. Wow. Um, that would be massive. Yeah, yeah. It would be a massive, massive bill. And again, the 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 strategy behind that would be as opposed to voting on these things individually, which may not actually get to the White House individually. I mean, we're already seeing that with the continuing resolution. If you throw them all together with enough goodies for for members to to vote for it, 
they might, you know, hold their nose and vote for it, despite the fact that they they oppose other provisions in the bill. Sure. Um, and Enough what, good but, things to point and, out. And, yeah. And the, yeah, the devil will be in the details. If that does, if that scenario does play out, the devil will be in the details in those. And then the devil will be the offsets. That's really the key there is what kind of offsets are lawmakers going to find? Will it be on the spending side of the ledger? Will it be on the revenue side of the ledger? That that remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, you know, obviously it's not like you can ignore the fact that, you know, I wonder where the political will is at this point, given that the election year is upon us. And I don't think. Are the Republicans really going to want to go to bat over the Planned Parenthood thing, particularly since there is no federal funding for the particular area that has caused the furor in the first place? Right. That already doesn't even exist. Um, so yeah, absolutely. From a political standpoint in McConnell and Boehner, they they're very well aware of this. They do not want to shut down. They don't want to be blamed for it, especially this close. To a presidential election year, they want the White House. They want a Republican in there. Yes. They don't, they don't want the to be blamed for for another government shutdown. So they are very aware of that, and they they do want to avoid that scenario. Definitely, uh, and I I, I can I, really see a lot more enthusiasm for the the big happy snowball and everybody gets to point at whatever cherries they wish to pick out of it and say, look, but we accomplished here. Um, and, and they can, you know, ignore the, the nose holding portions <laughs> as you, as you termed it. Um, so, you know, I would, I would probably lay my money on that because, you know, voter memories can be short, but I don't think they're going to be quite that short. I mean, we are in full swing of the, you know, the campaigning at this point, really. And so people are going to, I think they're going to be starting to pick their favorite horse here and uh, yeah this could come at a really dangerous time for for either party depending on how that goes down all right so yes I'm sorry continue though right yeah I mean that's that that pretty much sums it up um, I mean in the end the outcome could be Democrats and so-called establishment Republicans are the ones that move a government funding bill in whatever form it may be that would obviously if the conservative wing is opposing it and you know who knows John Boehner and his speakership could be up for grabs at some point, but it might come down to establishment Republicans joining with the vast majority of Democrats moving uh, a government funding bill past the finish line to the White House where, where President Obama signs it. There are a lot of moving parts to all of this, and, and I've seen some, some folks give percentages on, on the chances of a shutdown and that kind of a thing, but even with six days, legislative days, uh, uh, remaining before the end of the, the, the fiscal year, I still think that it's it's too early to, to, to call it. To call it, yeah. So so we'll again we'll just have to wait and see and, and stay tuned. Yeah. I certainly in prior years the level of animosity and just the gaps have been enormous. I mean, you could really just kind of see that freight train bearing down on you that there was not, <laughs> things are not going to get resolved swiftly. And I, my sense is not, I don't have that same feeling this time at all about, you know, kind of what I've been seeing. But again, you know, like you say, so many moving parts, who knows, you know, anything could happen, you know, tomorrow and there's suddenly, you know, the, the fever pitch ramps back up again. So, um, yeah. Anyway, that's 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 good. Okay. Well, that's that's informative. So, but really, yeah. So it's anybody's game at this point, I guess we could say. Stay tuned is the best. <laughs> uh, solution. Yeah. 
<laughs> Definitely. So um, are there you probably have some resources and things up your sleeve. What what have you got in the pipeline that might be informative for our, our listeners to keep an eye out for? I'd like to put in a plug for uh, my uh, my articles, the Waz Tareg's uh, piece, Agencies Get Guidance on uh, Women-Owned Small Business uh, Program and the, and the FATARA Requirements. I'm uh, going to start focusing, uh, when I have the time, on you know trying to bring things full circle with respect to From the Hill. Um, what I've done, and obviously, and currently have done in the past and, and, and doing now, is tracking acquisition-related uh, policy bills and, 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 and budget-related legislation and that kind of thing. But the, the, the train kind of stops after the president signs it. But what I've done in, in the article that went out uh, this evening is, you know, say, hey, well, what, what happens after it's signed into law? Where, you know, what do we do now? And it kind of goes through that. Uh, some of the, the guidance and rules that have been uh, released uh, to implement uh, certain provisions of certain acquisition related provisions of, of legislation enacted during the 113th Congress. So I'm hoping that uh, our subscribers will find uh, find that piece valuable and uh, hopefully I can write a couple more on uh, along those lines uh, in the future. Yeah, definitely. I, I love the idea of closing the circle on that because, you know, I'm often writing that up for the news and, you know, the stipulations are in there. Within 45 days, we will see guidance from, you know, OFPP or whoever. <laughs> and, you know, and right. then things kind of come out piecemeal. I think it's that's great to sort of, you know, sort of trace the, the full life cycle through. So anyway, um, so, yeah, definitely keep your eyes peeled for that, listeners. And that wraps us up for today. Thank you very much, Scott, again, for giving us the over review to everything. We really appreciate your perspective and we will all keep our eyes peeled for developments on that front. Now, if you are a government agency subscriber to the Virtual Acquisition Office website, you will find links to the headlines that we recapped for further reading on VAO on the same page where you downloaded this podcast. And you can also comment about the podcast, Scott, and and just anything that you would like to tell us, the format, the content, whatever. We love to hear your opinions and ideas. We hope that you'll join us again on September 25th for our next weekly news recap. Thanks for joining us. 